What's up, folks? It's me, it's me. It's Mr. Sensational, Gino V. Mr. Sensational, Gino Vega, coming to you, the tens of ones in the listening audience, with a very special episode 82 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the venerable IC Robots radio network. Folks, if for some bizarre reason you are listening to this show in a vacuum and are not familiar with what you are about to get yourself into, you are listening to a show where I, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, a very ordinary, average, middle-aged individual, takes you on a journey through the depths of my psyche, intellect, and soul as we talk about not much of anything, and I offer you takes, thoughts, anecdotes, etc. that you never asked for and do not need. Yet we're going to be offering them anyway, so let's kick things off here. Very special episode 82, a little bit of housekeeping really quickly. I am coming to you this week in the frenetic madness that is the summer schedule here. Um, at Sensational Manor 2.5, where I live, uh, we are in summer mode, so, so people's schedules are all over the place, but I'm able to come to you this week with episode 82. I will not be coming to you next week with episode 83 because I am not going to be in a situation that week where I can record. We are taking a trip to the city of Santa Cruz by the beach here in California, to visit the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, um, in addition to some other sites and locales. Uh, but that means I'll have something to talk about when I get back. So episode 83 is going to be postponed for a week, but when I get back, we will very likely talk about all things Santa Cruz and the Beach Boardwalk. It's been a few years since I've been there. Um, anything else of note? Not at the moment. So we're going to dive right in today. Last week, I began a tale of the past, a tale of the 1990s, a tale in which a group of friends and I, on our way home from school every day from Montgomery High School in Santa Rosa, California, we were getting embroiled. We were starting to involve ourselves in behavior that was getting more and more out of control. And uh, you can go back and listen to episode 81 for the details, but for a thumbnail sketch, my friend known as Jay had gotten his driver's license, the first in our friend group to get his driver's license. He was driving his mom's retired silver Buick with maroon liner inside, um, and he would drive me, and he would drive my friend, our friend, M, home from school every day. And the route home to M's house, where we headed first, took us, took us by, but then could also take us through, and it began more and more taking us through an affluent neighborhood of very gaudy, tacky, boxy McMansions on a hill. Um, and so we began trolling this neighborhood, being sort of more middling, um, non-affluent youth. Uh, we, we were, uh, driven to rage by the, by the grandiose displays of opulence. Um, and so we began, um, just doing petty acts, um, driving around, acting like we were drunk while driving through the neighborhood, although we were not, um, doing donuts and cul-de-sacs, making fun of houses. We gave the different gaudy houses, different nicknames, as I mentioned last time. 
Um, and then one day there was a, um, what do you call, I, I, I feel like there's some meme term these days for a, a pivotal moment, a, um, but I can't think of what it is. You know how these meme terms when all of a sudden one day no one is using a term and then the next day everyone is using it? It always kind of irritates me, but I get it. it's my problem. It's not everyone else's problem because why shouldn't people accept memes? Why shouldn't people, you know, jack into the Borg? Why do I need to be this this loner, dotty, this rebel, just being a contrarian? But I, it's, just, it, it's always been off-putting to me how these terms just emerge and suddenly everyone is using them without question um, as if they just, you know, were revealed on high, which I guess they were. But I, I'm trying to think of some examples. Um, killing it is an example. Many, some years ago now, it still seems like it was recent, but it was probably like 15 years ago. Suddenly everyone was killing it. They killed it. He killed it. She killed it. They killed it. Why did they kill it? How is this positive? And why are we all saying this now out of nowhere? What's another one? Um, I'm here for it. Blah, 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 and I'm here for it. Um, you know, like uh, Kanye West had a meltdown at an award show, and I'm here for it. Why are you here for it? Where, why are you saying this? Why are you talking this way? This is odd. This is strange. Yet here we are, all here for it, all, all speaking this way now, these meme phrases. But I feel, <gasps> inflection point, that's the term I'm trying to think back. This is more, this is less uh, a meme of the people and more a meme of the uh, lamestream uh, fake news media, which I, I listen to because I'm, I'm a sheep and I'm gullible to um, manipulation and being told, being told what to do by authoritative sources. But um, yeah, the, the, the news media has their own irritating version of, of meme terms that come up. And um, inflection point, while obviously it, it is, a, is a viable term in the English language, I, f- I feel like that one has been running wild like Hulk Hogan lately. Inflection point. Uh, we also have oh, the one that's just driving me nuts. This one, this one came of age during um, Mr. Trump's glorious tenure. Um, because he would do this a lot, but then it became a thing that everyone was doing, um, within the news media's purview. But this idea that someone would say something, I, to, to be fair, uh, Brandon, let's go Brandon. He, he, uh, he does, the, the, this comes up a lot with him too, because he doesn't know how to speak publicly. Um, but it's when these public figures say something outlandish or stupid or factually incorrect, and then they have to wait for it, wait for it, walk it back. Yes, walk it back is one that has been front and center um, in uh, the media's parlance uh, these days. Uh, the, the, that is such a wonderful term in and of itself, the media. You, you wonder what one means when they speak of the media. Are they speaking of all, all mediums of communication from the inception of, uh, of um, human speech, human language, um, a fraction of those mediums? Uh, a handful? I don't know. The media. Interesting. Where were we? The inflection point that set things off the rails for our group of friends was the day that we decided to remove a statue from someone's yard, and the statue was a statue of a frog with a flute. A frog was holding a flute as if the frog intended to play the flute. And as I mentioned before, speaking of memes, this is apparently a thing. Like, you can find old kind of the, the, those kitschy sort of like old-timey soap advertisement poster deals where, where, where there is a frog playing a flute. 
a frog. Why is a frog playing a flute a thing? You know what? I don't think we did this last time. Let's look it up really quickly on the Google machine here. Frog with a flute. No, not frog with a mushroom hat. Frog with a flute. And then I type that in and I get all kinds of images. Um, but, but why? But why? Um, frog with a flute. Origin. I don't know, man. I can't find it right now. I, oh, wait. What does a frog playing a flute mean? From AboveTopSecret.com, the very reliable um, online website. I guess all websites are online. The very reliable AboveTopSecret.com. Um, no, this guy's just ranting about wanting to know why a frog is playing a flute. I don't know. We will look this up next time when I'm not doing it on air. And um, I will let you know if I figure out why frogs play flutes and why someone would want to have a statue of a frog playing a flute in their yard. We'll actually get back to that because I may or may not have a statue of a frog playing a flute in my home, but we'll talk about why at the conclusion of this gripping tale. So we stole the frog with the flute. We um, uh, took the frog with the flute to play in a playground that was attached to someone's home. Someone had their own private, it was exactly the kind of playground you'd find at a school or a park, but they had in their front yard. And as I mentioned before, if you're, if you're somewhere with like lower land values where people have these huge sprawling yards, that might not seem that weird, but in, in Northern California, it is not common. It's this fairly ostentatious move to have a playground in your, in your yard. Um, we took pictures of the frog with a flute in the people's playground. The people with the playground were not the people that owned the frog with the flute. We removed the frog with the flute, took it to the playground, took pictures of it, Polaroid pictures, left it on the porch of the frog with the flute owner. We took pictures of another friend of ours, J2. Uh, J2, who I mentioned, was a, is a, it was and is a mutant. He was one of those, like, he, he hadn't quite, his mu- mutation had not quite crystallized back in high school, but uh, he was... Um, one of those kind of crust punk kids that now is into like riding the rails and, and protesting the man. He is literally what when um, uh, right mutants wring their hands and whine and cry about Antifa. <laughs> this guy is literally, although Antifa does not exist, J2 is, it w- would be the poster child for Antifa. Um, the dumbest name, one of the dumbest names in the history of stupid, dumb names. Antifa and Big Pharma are on the top of my hit list. Say anti-fascist, say big pharmaceutical. Why why do we need to do these stupid, horrific-sounding abbreviations? But again, that's just me. I need to to get over it. I need to be... Adopt a more positive outlook on life. So J2, because he was kind of a wild child, he really ramped up what we were doing from pretty pretty dorky, um, low-impact hooliganism to more edgy hooliganism. And he began riding home with us. He was not part of the core crew, but he was there for a while more days than not. And so he was the guy that kind of egged us on to start. As I said, we would uh, be driving up and down these hills, and on like trash days, we'd like knock into a garbage can and cause it to like roll down the hill. Um, empty garbage cans. As I mentioned last time, we were animals, not monsters. So it was annoying because someone had to go walk down the hill to pick it up. It's not like we were getting garbage all over the place because even even at that age, I would not have abided by that. That just, that's god-awful. We eventually uh, found a stash of Piccolo Pete fireworks. Piccolo Pete. They're very irritating fireworks. You light them off and they make a whistling sound. We started lighting off Piccolo Pete's in cul-de-sacs. Um, 
But one day, another, another fateful inflection point took place. And this one was also, if I recall correctly, spurred by J2. And one afternoon as we were driving home from school, J2 noticed that there was a mailbox out in front of someone's house with the flag up. So we're driving by and J2 tells uh, J1, or J, the, the primary J in this story, the J who drove the Buick, Oh man, pull over, pull over, pull over. And so he pulls over and J2 jumps out, opens the mailbox whose flag is up, which um, back in the day, I guess some people still have mailboxes like this. I have not seen one in years just due to the types of places I've lived in. Um, But you know the gimmick with the mailbox where uh, E-Nerd out in like Mayberry or wherever he lives probably has this. You, You get the mailbox gimmick out in front of your house and you put the dopey flag up when there's mail in it. And that's how the mailman knows to, to collect the mail. Like if, Per chance, he didn't have any mail to put in, or, or, or she, or, or whoever it may be. I don't want to be uh, uh, weird here. But um, uh, the person, the mail person, the mail carrier, the letter carrier. No, the letter carrier is too specific. The mail carrier, um, who may not be mail, um, would see the flag. And even if they did not have mail to put in your box that day, they would still open it and take the mail out to deliver it. Imagine using uh, mail. Actually, I guess plenty of people still do. <laughs> I haven't mailed anything as, in as long as I can remember. I have a weird block against mailing. Um, it's actually one of the main reasons why, as much as I love from afar watching all of the different members of the tens and ones and their interests in um, physical things, analog things, it was always my big stumbling block from really getting into that kind of stuff. I can't mail things. I, I don't know what it is. It just I... I and so I know like when you're like back in the day with like pro wrestling tape trading, tape trading involved putting something in the mail in order to get something else in the mail. But in my case, the mail would just sit there. The mail that I had to send out would sit there and sit there and sit there and then become this festering thing that I just this unbearable weight that I couldn't lift. I don't know what the problem is. It's this huge, huge mental block um, that really caused me from full throat getting into um, the collecting and distribution of physical things. And, and again, I, I admire the, that hobby in others, and I enjoy watching it. It's probably good for me that I don't do it just due to my obsessive compulsive tendencies. I think I might lose my mind. So instead, I just get to be like that meme of Michael Jackson in Thriller, like grinning and with the popcorn. While I watch other folks um, uh, accumulate and distribute different objects. Um, in any case... Um, where was I? J2 took mail out of a mailbox. He's like, hey, fellas, mail, mail. And he took the mail and got back into the car. So he essentially stole mail out of someone's mailbox. And at this moment, I was too young to really understand. I mean, I I think in the back of my mind, I knew you're not really supposed to take people's mail. But, you know, I I was 15, um, Read a lot of literature in, in the last few years. Every now and again, an article uh, will uh, crop up, some fake article from a, from a propaganda institutional outlet, describing how an individual's brain is still forming in teenage years. So we oftentimes assume, strangely assume or demand rational behavior from teenage individuals when it's not clear that they are cognitively capable of such behavior. 
But we like to get chest thumpy and like, oh, they need to be responsible. And it's just like I, the brain is forming, my man. I don't know what to tell you. So the brain was forming and I didn't know what to tell you at the time. But I, I still, this is where I already started. I, I was feeling a strange loss of control as, as day in and day out we were doing these um, belligerent teenage hijinks. And I guess uh, for a little bit of background, I should also note, I'm sure I've talked about this on the show before. <clears throat> Excuse me. Pardon me. It's awful. Um, I come from a background that's all about control. My mother is very much into the idea of controlling things. Um, she grew up uh, Catholic. Went to Catholic school from kindergarten through college. Then fell away from the church as a young adult. But when you have that framework, and she really bought into that framework, because she was the child of immigrants who joined the church more for social reasons, but she grew up in it, so took it very seriously. So her entire psychological mindset is about this idea that something bad is about to happen. You are about to do something bad. You are going to be judged for doing something bad. And in, when she was younger, in the Catholic mode, the only way you can keep the world up, you can, you can be like Atlas and, and keep holding up that globe from descending into to a pit of chaos and sin and despair and bad actions and judgment. The only way you can do that is to, in the Catholic mode, you pray to God and you go to confessional and you do all that stuff. But when you don't, you, you leave the church, but you still have that psychology. Now God is replaced with worry, with anxiety. So my mom was this person that like, unless you're constantly checking things, unless you're constantly keeping yourself and others in check, unless you're constantly maintaining control, you're about to be judged and sentenced to eternal damnation by a deity that doesn't even exist, that you can no longer even um, petition to. So that's, so that's, I was not a wild and crazy kid is what I'm trying to say. I was, I kind of took on that mentality and I was very, very, did not like getting in trouble, did not like doing wild and crazy things. But here I was in this situation doing all of this um, hooliganism. And I think part of it was like sort of cathartic because I felt like I was just giving myself over to this horrible behavior and I mean, I was just doing it, and nothing was happening. We were just doing it day after day, and nothing was happening. But in the back of my mind, I was like, you are soon going to be punished for your actions. You cannot possibly behave like this and not have the other shoe drop. And the male, when that happened, I was like, okay, this is getting really out of control. And I had this sense of foreboding. And so that day passed, and the next day came, and we continued our, our driving around in the Buick doing hooliganism, but now this male thing had become a component. We'd be driving by, we'd drive by a mailbox, its flag would be up, and inevitably someone in the car, oh, mail, mail! And so we'd stop and take the mail out. And uh, I will admit, we, it was usually just like, you know, junk, like bills, uh, you know, this, that. One time, we did find something that was kind of comical. And again, I, I do not endorse this, and this is horrible behavior. And we don't worry. We will get our comeuppance in this tale. But um, there had been this incident at our high school where um, our high school was a suburban white bread high school. Um, it was the high school that all the people in this affluent neighborhood, their kids went to. 
So it was this model where like my parents were like just kind of relatively like middle class suburban dwellers, but we were like the poor kids. So there was every now and again you'd get a guy, it was always guys for some reason, get a guy transferred to the school who was like from the hood, for lack of a better term. I'm not I'm not this is not I'm not trying to make any statements disparaging anyone. We would just get a stereotypical sort of like dude from a bigger city, G'd out guy not Montgomery High School style dude. And that would always cause a stir because like this guy would instantly be the coolest dude on campus. You know, uh, for, for a perfect point of reference, Tupac attended Montgomery High School, I think for a year, because I think he had been living with his mother in Marin City, which is kind of a rough place. And she'd sent him up to live in Santa Rosa. And he went to Montgomery High School for, I think a year, Tupac. So, so there would have been a guy at the school who was, he was certainly no Tupac. But he was getting a lot of uh, 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 buzz for being like the new, the new bad boy, the new G uh, in town. And um, this guy, I cannot remember what happened, but something jumped off. And there was a beloved driver's ed instructor at the school. And this dude got into an altercation with the driver's ed instructor. This dude socked the driver's ed instructor in the dome and I think like detached a retina or something. So this, this is just like out beyond the pale. Like this kind of stuff didn't happen at Montgomery High School. So this was this huge scandal, huge drama, all kinds of, of renting of hair and gnashing of teeth. And the guy was shipped off. I think the guy went to Juvenile Hall. He did go to Juvenile Hall because this letter, we found a letter addressed to the Juvenile Detention Center in Santa Rosa. And it was from the girl that was who lived in this affluent house, and uh, it was this love letter pining for how their love was no longer to be because he was now behind bars, which we found so hilarious. Ha ha, laughing at these poor people's misery. Uh, yeah, don't worry. I, I feel plenty bad about it. You don't have to... Don't worry about me. I'm not, I'm, again, not condoning this, not presenting this as an ideal tale, but it was something that happened. It was the only memorable thing that came out of, oh, male, male, except for the final... I don't even know if you, once something is like has ramped up and it's now coming to its uh, conclusion, I don't know if you can still call it an inflection point. But the, let's say point one was the frog with the flute. Point two was the first theft of mail. And point three is, a, uh, is what's a, what I'm about to describe here. So one day, it was just the original crew, Jay, not, not, not Mutant J2, but Jay, the owner and driver of the Buick, um, M, the uh, 15-year-old fellow passenger and myself, who I was either 15 or 16. I think I was, I, had, I think J, uh, Jay was well into 16. I think I was partially 16. And um, no, I don't know. I think Jay, let's just put it this way. I think Jay and I were 16, but I didn't have a driver's license and M was 15. So we were driving home and we were taking a new fellow along for the ride, a fellow named B. We didn't know B. I don't even know how B ended up in the car. But B was sort of this straight-laced, normal dude. I should preface that uh, M, J, and I were all sort of like various, at various points on the spectrum of alternative youth at this point. Um, but this guy was a square. This guy was like a total, total normal dude. Um, B. We gave him a ride, and we're driving through, and he's like, we're like, check this out, man. This is what we do every day after school. We drive through this neighborhood, and we do this, we do that. We set off Piccolo Pete's. We do donuts, uh, blah, 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 blah. We take mail out of mailboxes. He's like, oh, you do? Don't, do, you, do you? And we're like, why, yes, we do. And he's like, I'd like to do that. And so uh, we hit up a mailbox, 
first mailbox is just like some junk going out, nothing. He tosses it, like, look, let us try another one. So we, we hit a couple different mailboxes, and finally the guy finds a check in the mail. And I wish I remember how much money this check was uh, for. I, I would say it was in like a couple thousand range. But he found a check, and I can't remember. It was from the sender to someone else. And, um, you know, the rest of us thought nothing of it because we were never in this for any kind of scheme or profit. It was just the, 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 the lols, the L-O-L-Zs, which was decades before that meme was a thing. We, we were in it for the lols. But he was like, fellas, fellas, I could take this check and wire it through one of my father's bank accounts in the Bahamas and we can split the proceeds. And we were like, sure, sure, whatever, dude, you do that. And then we went on to just talk about this, that, the third Gave the guy a ride home, thought nothing of it, went home, thought nothing of it. Uh, next day, or maybe I think a couple days passed. I think we, yeah, we went about our, our, our thing for a few more days, and I still, I felt this feeling of foreboding. I felt like someone was watching us. And then a few days pass, and finally we are driving home, headed up to the affluent neighborhood to, to raise hell, as it were. And as we're driving down one of the streets that takes us away from Montgomery High School and towards our destination, there's uh, a police car parked on the side of the road and a white car parked behind the police car. And we're thinking nothing of it and we're driving by. And just as soon as we pass the police car, whoop, lights come on. Uh, We're getting pulled over? We were getting pulled over. So we get pulled over by the aforementioned marked Santa Rosa Police Department car. But then the white car is like a federal postal inspector vehicle. And we're like, oh, man, this is it. Actually, at least I was. I don't know that the other fellas, what, what they thought. But I was like, you know, this is, this is what I, I had envisioned this moment and now it is here. And so it's funny because I can't remember exactly how the officer's approached us initially. Um, I do remember now thinking back that I was always convinced that the stuff that we were doing that was really the stuff that was going to get us in trouble was the like hitting garbage cans and, um, uh, you know, taking the frog with the flute. I thought, I thought that kind of stuff was a much more egregious affront than taking some pieces of paper out of a mailbox. Cause again, I was 15 years old, 16 years old, so I didn't really understand the ways of bills and important documents. Yeah, it's just like, there's some nonsense in the mailbox. Who cares? But I could wrap my head more around why someone would get pissed off if some kids were like taking their lawn ornaments, you know? So when we first got pulled over, I thought that that's what the issue was. I thought that we were in trouble for our sort of petty vandalism. But then it was weird that there was the mail inspector. So they, they had pulled us over. They probably talked to Jay, who was driving first, um, I think they introduced themselves and did some of those, you know, like, you know, like cops, I'm not an anti-cop person by any stretch of the imagination, but I also, and I'm certainly not like an anti rules and laws. I, I, I mean, obviously some laws are questionable, but I, as far as, as I believe in functional societies, I believe in, in following rules, following regulations that exist for a reason. Sometimes even if you can't immediately see the reason, um, there is a reason there usually when you look further. Um, so I'm not opposed to a well-regulated society and I'm not opposed to there being a enforcement function for that society. Cause there has to be, 
if you want to, if, if there's going to be a regulated society. Um, and I don't know that there's any such thing as we've talked about before on the show, uh, uh, as a group of people living together that isn't somehow regulated. Um, but I also, I view that law enforcement then is an almost sacred duty an almost sacred trust where you would, you need to hold yourself to the highest levels of professionalism, the highest levels of, um, ethics and responsibility totally understanding that, you know, it's a dangerous job and a hard job and a thankless job. But to do that job, you know, you need to be truly like um, an avatar of justice. And this isn't always the case in the real world, sadly. Um, so there's this annoying law enforcement thing that happens where the, the guys always want to be cute. They they want they want to be like uh, um, I recently saw a dash cam or a body cam video of the the wrestler Jeff Hardy getting arrested for highly intoxicated driving, and where one could easily just be like, "Sir, we had reports your car was all over the road and you appear to be intoxicated. You need to come over here and take a field sobriety test." Blah blah. blah. They do. They're like, "Hmm, you know, we got some calls. Your car was all over the road." You have any idea why that could be? As if they're trying to like trick, you know, a master criminal. Well, just just be businesslike, <laughs> you know, just just be uh, be workmanlike. So, be uh, of course they were doing like the cute thing with us, you know, like oh, what are you fellows out here doing today? You have any idea why we might have a mail inspector, a U.S. postal inspector with us? Um, so they were kind of doing that whole rap, and we're sitting there pulled over on this street, and this street is right around the corner from our high school. So you know. Other students are going by, kind of yelling out at us, laughing. Um, Member of the tens of one, the tens of ones out there in the listening audience, if he is in fact listening, um, Joe C. I can't remember what he calls himself when he's, he's, is it like Joe Normal or something? Joe Average? Um, I feel like he he goes by that name when interacting with the, the IC Robots Radio Network. But Joe... Um, Joe, if you're out there, I don't even know Joe remembers this. Joe lived on that street at the time. And I think Joe came out and saw us like he was out in his front yard. He's a little bit older than us. So he wasn't in high school anymore. And he saw us getting, uh, arrested. Um, so, uh, at some point we were transferred from John's Buick to the back of a police cruiser. And at this point, this day, it was just the core of us. It was Jay, M and myself. And we're all sitting in the back seat and Jay is kind of a wise cracky guy, so he's continuing to just be cool as a cucumber and wise cracking with the very, <clears throat> very unamused officers as we are driven from the point of our traffic stop to the Santa Rosa police station. And I remember as the gate to the police station parking area, um, not the public parking area, but they're, you know, the back of the house where they're they're unloading people that they've arrested. As that gate opened and the vehicle went in, I was thinking, this might be my last moment, like on on the other side of the gate as we're just about to go in, my last moment of freedom for some time to come. And we went through that gate, and that gate closed. And it was a very, to 16-year-old me, I don't want to say it was a terrifying feeling, it was a feeling of great finality. Like there was, I had completely lost control of my life and there was nothing I could do anymore. 
and I was essentially seeing myself at a remove. I was seeing myself as an apparition looking down on myself as I was brought into the confines of the Santa Rosa Police Department. Folks, we are going to leave it here, and we are going to finish this tale with part three next time. And I know I said I wasn't going to do an episode next week, and that I would be back the week after that, and probably talking about my beach boardwalk trip, but that seems like dragging this out way too long. I'm going to do my best, I'm going to try my best, to record the final installment of this sordid tale before I go out of town and have it ready for ISR next week. So disregard, well, hold in the balance what I said at the beginning. If there's not an episode next week, you'll know why. If there is an episode, you'll know I was able to complete telling this tale. And I am going to do my best to do it because I think it'd be nice to wrap it up with a bow for the tens of ones next week and then move on the week after that. So for now, and until then, and until we see where the podcasting fates take us, for this week, for very special episode 82, it's me, Mr. Sensational Gino V, signing off.